How's it going, everybody? How you guys doing out there? Gosh, what a fun day today. If you don't know, today is uh, actually also Groundhog Day. Um, and sadly, they dropped the groundhog and it passed away, sadly. So I don't know what that... I'm just kidding. The, hog, the groundhog's fine. Uh, but it did not see his shadow or her shadow. I don't know the gender. Uh, but that means it's six more we- six weeks early spring, right? So spring comes early. Right? Is that how it works? So my kids will love that. And and if you're caught in the uh, Groundhog Day loop where this is like the hundredth time you've been at church, you're just reliving today, I wouldn't know that, obviously, because, you know, for me, this is just like today, but you know what I'm going to teach. You know how good it's going to be, okay? So ha- I'm thankful that you came again. That was like one of the best movies ever, Groundhog Day. Some Groundhog Day fans, okay. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Talk about the L word. You guys know what the L word is, right? L- listen, okay, not love, Okay. But I know it's on your mind, okay? I love that. I love that. But we're talking about listening today, and, uh, and I'm really excited because, man, there's been so many times where I have just not listened, and man, oh man, have I paid the price for it. When I was a kid, I wouldn't listen to my mom, and it turns out she was right, I'd pay the price. Growing up in high school, wouldn't listen to my teachers, you know, big whammy, found out they were right, I ended up paying the price. Even in my adult life, I wouldn't be listening, wouldn't be paying attention, and maybe even to something obvious, something that as adults you'd say, no, no, I have wisdom. I have experience. I know some stuff. You wouldn't listen. You'd miss some obvious signs. You end up paying the price. Sometimes when we don't listen, we don't slow ourselves down enough to listen. We end up paying the price for it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So on the screen, um, have you ever been prepared, ready, right for the job, and you still blew it? You've been ready. You have been right for the job. You've been prepared. You, you put in all the preparation. Even people around you would say, oh my gosh, they're ready to go. They're going to totally nail this. And then you yourself get into it. And you know what you realize? That you actually are not prepared like you thought. You end up blowing it. Maybe you kind of start leading out of, you know what? I'm kind of believing the hype a little bit. You know, everyone's kind of saying I'm really good. So I used to play hockey and, uh, and I was really good in practice. I was really good in practice. So, you know, I was getting so good. Actually, I became assistant captain of the team. Okay. I know big deal. And so I had the big A on my jersey. It was a big deal. I was really proud of myself and really impressed with myself. My mom, I was the only child. She obviously just caked on that being impressed with me to, probably too much. And so I kind of you know, ramped it back a little bit practicing and I got into the very first game and I realized how unprepared I was and I blew it. I did not lead the team well. I did not earn having assistant captain on my chest. Yeah, I have a real good buddy who's a Navy SEAL and, he taught, and I'm really big into Navy SEAL stuff lately. I'm listening to books about it. I'm doing podcasts with guys about it. And, and so I've just been really into Navy SEAL stuff. And he was talking about BUDS training, which is like their big, serious training. If you know anything about the SEALs, it's like, you know, SEAL week and Hell week and just all the stuff they do down in Coronado in California. Very intense stuff. And people come and they feel like, well, they're, they're ready. You know, they were a big, you know, swimmer and runner in high school. And like they're big, beefy with muscles, you know, the opposite. Very much like Rod, very less like me. You know, just you know, the whole thing. And they come and then they get in there and they start doing it and they realize how unprepared they actually are and people around them be like oh my gosh you're going to kill it you're going to do it and actually the people who they and this is the, they surveyed I mean they talked to seals I've talked to some of them I've read books about this the ones who get the response of really like you know you're pretty sure like are, do you think you can do it? I don't think you can do it you're you're not going to make it those are the ones that do because being a SEAL, they, they'd say it has nothing to do about physique and how fast you can run, how far you can run. It has to do with the mental toughness that you have. You know, here's the thing about listening. Listening has more to do with your spiritual mental toughness than it has to do with that. You can know a ton of Bible verses. 
You could, if you, you know, I used to do, my youth pastors to challenge me, step out of your house, start reading, you know, start walking, regurgitating the verses you have memorized and see how far you get from your front door. It's actually a really good, a really good uh, method of testing how much Bible you actually know. Like it's, you know, there's no like two ways about it. Maybe a fast walk, like, you know, you get pretty far, but you know, normal walking, you know, see how far you get. It doesn't matter how many Bible verses you know. It doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized. When you go to different churches, you just kind of just do like the, you know, run the circuit. You know, it doesn't matter how much communion you have or you snack on it afterwards. None of those things matter. This is what matters. And when it comes to listening to God, if you don't have the spiritual, mental toughness to listen, you will not make it. Now, I know you might think, oh my gosh, this is really intense. This is a really intense way to start. I want to open up the Bible. I want to look at some things. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 34. This is what it says about a guy named Joshua, who we're talking about Joshua in this series. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So I want to get us ready. I want to talk about how do we get to this point with Joshua? Now, I like the, where we've been going with Joshua. Uh, I loved the, the lesson last week from Pastor Ron. Maybe cringe a little bit when I went home. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I would have bought into that when I was, you know, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. Circumcision, intense, very intense. How do we get to this point with Joshua? I want to take a look at Moses to kind of set the stage for how we got to where we got with Joshua. And the, the reason I'm starting with Moses is because I'm a big fan of the movie Cars. Anyone see the movie Cars? You guys like the movie Cars? Okay. So I've been watching all those movies like pretty much over and over again. My kids are really into them. Mack Truck, my kids are really into the Mack Truck thing. And if you watch the movie Cars and really, not Cars 2, Cars 2 is terrible, but you watch Cars, well, thank you, amen. I get some amens from the students. They're like, yeah, amen, I agree. I didn't understand the whole spy thing. I didn't get any of that stuff. But Cars 1, I totally got. Okay? The hubris young guy who just thought he could do it all and he needed the strong hand of a solid mentor to teach them the right way. Okay? Cars 2, personally, I've never even seen Cars 2, so I have no idea what happened. Some spy thing was weird. Then you move on to Cars 3, great movie. Okay? Loses his mentor, obviously has had a great career under his leadership, and now he's becoming the mentor for someone else. And when, you, when he lost his footing, couldn't figure it out, what did he do? He went and found someone else. So if we don't understand Moses, we'll never really, really understand Joshua. And what we're going to talk about in Joshua's failure today in chapter 7, I want to set the stage talking about Moses for a second. So Moses, how did we get to this point? Moses started this succession plan. He started it very early on, you know, the, you know, in his, you know, as he was kind of running things, he knew the day was going to come where he could not handle everything, um, that he was going to leave and that he, you know, kind of had the humility to know he wasn't going to live forever. You know, here's an important point when it comes to Moses and his humility. In his humility, knowing that he can't live forever, he had to get the nation of Israel ready for who was going to lead it moving forward. Now, Here's the thing. I don't know how many people in here have someone that they would say that they're pouring into, investing in, preparing them, knowing that you're not going to be here forever, but getting them, someone else ready for, you know, to lead and, you know, what's next. You know, I think I'm doing that with my boys. Uh, that's one of the things I love about youth ministry. We get great youth leaders to do that with a group of students. It's the best thing ever. And help prepare these students and lead these students, get them ready. You know, I look at my own kids, prepare my kids, mentor them, get them ready. So Moses from the very beginning had the, the right perspective. Now, Moses then goes on, he seeks guidance from people. 
Now, if you think what it means to be a good mentor, someone who's preparing someone else, you seek guidance. You don't do it yourself. You know, that's one of the things I love about our church. We have a great group of elders. Okay, a lot of them are in the room right now. We're a church that seeks guidance from wise people. And Moses was one of those wise people. He sought really good guidance. You know, he seeks input, okay? He seeks input from the most trusted advisors, So Moses goes and finds the most trusted people, seeks their input, gathers it so that he can apply it to what's happening and make really good decisions. You know, one of the best places this is put on display is in Exodus 18. This is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, okay? And this is how God works. God works like this. Moses is, he, the people are freed from the nation of Israel. So if you read back in the book of Exodus, they're freed from the nation of Israel, They're out there kind of trying to figure out. I mean, imagine a group of people that have been slaves their entire life. Their their kids were slaves. You know, their parents were slaves. They were, they're slaves. Slavery. Everything that they get has been given to them. Everything they do, they've been told to do. And now they have complete freedom and they can do what they want. They, they, They literally could do whatever they want. They have freedom. It's best. So they were freed, Moses was there, the whole thing was, was a riot. And now they got to figure out how to do some things like how to rule and how to do you know, laws and rules and how to handle situations and disagreements because there's no one lording over them, there's no owners lording over them settling these disputes. So what Moses did was he'd be the one actually to settle all the disputes. He would sit there and he would kind of do his thing and there's this passage where he interacted with his father-in-law, which I have a great father-in-law, he interacted with his father-in-law to get wisdom from him. Okay, this is a really important segment. This is what it says, Exodus 18. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as the judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw this, uh, saw that all that Moses uh, was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you, why do you uh, alone sit as judge while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Now, here's the thing. Jethro had Moses' wife uh, and his kids. So his father-in-law, Jethro, is kind of taking Moses' kids because Moses, honestly, he's going to Egypt. He didn't really know how the whole thing was going to turn out. Like, he was kind of hoping, like, hey, I'm going to go, and, you know, know, Pharaoh, let my people go, and and it was all going to work out. But he also wasn't totally sure, so he sent his family to go live with Jethro to kind of be safe, just in case things went sideways. So now Jethro's coming back with his family, and he's kind of, Jethro's stepping in, and he's the outsider, okay? He's the outside looking in guy, which those guys are always the best. They're not familiar with the situation. I don't really know what's going on, but like they can step in and kind of survey everything, and Jethro was a really great leader of his people. He was a priest of Midian. He was a really great leader. So he steps in, and he sees what he's doing, and he says, Moses, why are you doing this? Why are you sitting there all day? And just, they're coming to you? Like, what is this? And this is how Moses replies. He answered them. Because the people come, uh, come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Now, I try to do, play this at home with my wife. I mean, you know, this is a really good husband thing to do, right? You know, they go, why are you sitting there on the couch? Well, babe, you know, whenever there's a dispute with the kids, they just bring it to me and I handle it. And, you know, the, you can do the same if you want. I'm just going to sit here. And that doesn't work well for too long with her. And, and the, with Jethro, it didn't work too well either. Jethro heard this and he was just dumbfounded by it because this wasn't the way to lead. He knew that being a leader. So he leans in with Moses and teaches him something. This is what he says. Moses, uh, uh, Moses' father-in-law replied, what, are you, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear themselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me 
and I will give you some advice uh, and may God be with you. You know, like the wise prophet Vanilla Ice said, stop, collaborate, listen. Because here's the thing, we're, we're the worst at identifying when we need to stop. Okay, I wish my wife was here. She's the best at this. She's the best at looking at me and saying, hey, Justin, you, you, you need to take a step back. You have, you're, you have a bad perspective of yourself right now. You have a bad perspective of the situation. We need people. We're lucky. Actually, it's actually a blessing from God when there are people in our lives who can just step in and say, hey, listen, you actually need to take a step back. You're in it and you're moving and you're doing and you're not seeing everything that is happening. That is what Jethro did for Moses. Moses was in it. He was living it. We got this thing going on. You, you don't understand, like we're the new nation, and I'm kind of leading it, and they don't know what to do, and they're counting on me. And Jethro comes in, whoa, whoa, Moses, like take, take, it, take a chill pill. Relax. You're not the most. And then he lays out the strategy for Moses of what he should do. You know, go find leaders of, of thousands and leaders of hundreds and of fifties and tens. Find them and put them in charge and let them kind of make decisions. But the most important stuff have them bring to you. Now, here's the thing. It's going to be on the screen. Moses makes his decision crystal clear to the people when it's time to pick this new leader. So after going through all this experience, After going through and getting this great feedback from Jethro, he keeps going through life, and as it's time to now kind of stamp who the future leader is going to be, he gets everyone together and makes it crystal clear. This is what it says in Numbers chapter 27. uh, Moses did as the Lord commanded. He took Joshua, had him stand before Eliezer, the priests, and the whole assembly, and then he laid hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses, okay? Um, It's no accident here that this is included in the text. You know, Jewish kind of tradition believes that the Bible has no unnecessary verses, no unnecessary words, that everything that's written in the Pentateuch, that's the law, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Moses wrote all of those uh, except the last, I think, eight to 12 verses of Deuteronomy, which record Moses' death is after he passed away. So those five books of the Bible, they look at those and say, you know what? Every word that's in there is in there for a purpose. There's a reason behind it. There's nothing by accident. There's no filler words. There's no filler stories. Everything has a reason. So when, when Moses includes in there that he got together with the assembly, he got everyone together, laid hands on him, prayed for him. So it was crystal clear that as we're going into the future, this is the person who's going to lead us. Now Moses blesses Joshua. Now, not just saying, hey, this is the person to lead it, because we've all been in experiences like that, right? You know, kind of someone's selected or they're promoted, and maybe everyone kind of eye rolls, like, oh, I can't believe Jim got that promotion again. Yeah, and then, you know, the boss is announcing, you know, yeah, good job, Jim, you know, all right, whatever. But no one's really bought into it. And maybe even the boss hasn't bought into it. Maybe they're just the next man up on the totem pole. Maybe they just got the CEO's, you know, uh, uh, attention. And that person just kind of has a season of favor, maybe the flavor of the week. And they're just, you know, getting like, these accolades, these promotions, these things that maybe you feel like you've earned, you've deserved, you know, but whatever. But everyone kind of knows that no one's really, no one really cares, okay? Moses goes a step further to bless Joshua, publicly, to let everyone know, not only is this the guy we've selected, but he has my blessing. The blessing's not a small thing. Like, if you remember, there were two brothers who, like, were almost killing them, killing each other to get their father's blessing. Getting the father's blessing, getting the blessing, that's the thing. That's the biggest thing you can get. 
It means that you're going to inherit all the father's stuff. When Jesus talks about getting the father's blessing, it means all the things that belong to the father now belong to him. Like it's not a small thing. So for Joshua to get the blessing of Moses as the leader means that Moses is now going to be in charge of all the things, or Joshua's going to be in charge of all the things that Moses was in charge of, that he's getting all of the person's stuff, all the blessing. Now, here's the thing that's so important. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 31. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their ancestors and give them, uh, to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And then it goes into this song of rebellion, which is, which is I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm a terrible singer. I'm no Alex and I'm no Jillian. Well, actually, I'm pretty comparable to Jillian when it comes to voice, but don't, I sing very high. I don't know why that is. But there's a song of rebellion. And basically, the song of rebellion is actually the opposite of everything you just, we just read. The song of rebellion actually is a song that, that there's going to be a time where you rebel. There's going to be a time where the people turn their backs on God and that you're going to be the ones paying the price for that when it happens. It's totally insane. It's totally insane. And Joshua, in this blessing moment, in this time, he, he hears this song and this song is saying like regularly that there's going to be a time where rebellion does happen, where God does turn his face and the people of Israel are going to suffer for it. So he as the new leader knows this time is going to happen eventually. Doesn't know when it's going to happen. Now the Lord goes on and says, the Lord gave this command to Joshua. It's not going to be in here. Uh, it's not going to be in the scripture. Verse uh, 23, be strong and courageous for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised, I promised them on oath and I myself will be with you. Now, here's what I want you to write down. The things in life and in the Bible worth remembering are often repeated. The things in life and in the Bible worth remembering are often repeated. You know, the things that he wants us to remember, you know, there's a reason that the word listen is used in the right context 413 times in the Bible. Not just like, oh yeah, I was sitting there listening to this conversation, kind of eavesdropping, and I couldn't believe what they were saying. Not like that. Not like that. Not the kind of listening I do at Starbucks. Not that kind of listening. Like the, like the angel comes down and says, hey, listen to me. Or God speaks, listen. Or a prophet comes in the room and says, shh, listen. For I, the Lord speaks. In context, 413 times, because listening is really important. You know, when they repeatedly say to Joshua, be strong and courageous, this is something that's said regularly. Like, it's, it's repeated often. Because they know that Joshua, at some point, is going to face a thing where only strength and courage is going to help him through it. Now, here we go. We're, we're still talking about listening, right? We're talking about Joshua now. Joshua fails. On your notes, this whole section about Joshua failing. And, and here's the thing with, with his failure. They ended up losing a battle they should have won. All right, we're going to talk about this in Joshua chapter 7. They lost this battle they should have won. Okay, this is a pretty easy battle to win, actually. The, the, there was a, it was, a, it was a, a people that could easily be taken. Um, God was going to be with them, right? He was with them all up until this point. But this battle was a little different. And this is the reason why. This is the reason why. He sent some spies into this area to kind of see everything and check everything out. Come back. And they were just ready to go to battle. They were ready to go to war. And, you know, to defeat these people and take the land, the whole thing. Here's what didn't happen, which is so important. He didn't go to God to ask him 
how the whole thing was going to go. He didn't go to God and give a sacrifice, a blessing to God. He didn't go to God to get God's input on what's about to happen. He didn't go to God to, to thank him for everything he's done for the people and you know, to, to give him some, some words of love and, and encouragement and, and affirmation of the God that he is, delivered him out of slavery, and now they're about to go into this battle. He, he didn't go to God to even ask them for an extra blessing. He didn't go to God at all. He just heard back from these spies, hey, I think we can take him. He's like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's this verse, and this is what it says. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. Now, earlier in this chapter, you know, they, they go to the battle. They lose the battle. And Joshua and all the people, they're all looking around at each other like, What happened? How did we lose? I thought we, I thought we were supposed to win. All, I thought the game was rigged in our favor. God was on our side. So we win all these battles. Like, how, how is it that we're losing? They didn't even send that many guys. They sent like 300 guys. It was supposed to be no big deal. They were going to win. And they're all looking around at each other like, how did this happen? I can't believe this. And they all start ripping their clothes, which is not a reaction I typically have. But every now and then, I just like, I get it. I get it. He starts ripping their clothes and covering themselves in ash and just losing their minds. And like, I just can't, you know, putting their face in the ground, you know, yelling out to God, how did this happen? And God looks at them. Yeah, it doesn't say this in the Bible, okay? So I'm taking a little, little bit of liberty here, but I think he kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. Rolls his eyes at Joshua. Like, Joshua, what, what are you doing here? Listen, I, I asked you to keep some commands and you didn't keep them. They've taken some, uh, the, you, they have taken some of the, de, the devoted things. They had stolen. They have lied. They've put them in their own possessions. This is why the Israelites can't stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they've been made uh, liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Now, I, I want to put this up on the screen. Proverbs 11. Okay, this is like a really good humility verse. When pride comes... Then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Now here's the thing. Joshua, in this moment, he was full of pride. Now he didn't see it. Probably nobody saw it. But he knew it was there because he's like, all right, we got this. I got this. We're going to go into battle. We're going to take over everything. It's no big deal. We got everything handled. And how often do we, instead of listening, start moving right to action? I think there's a lot of really good action-oriented people. I'm a good action-oriented person. I love moving to action. Something happens, I like to go. I kind of have an idea of what should be done or what shouldn't be done. I just kind of move at things. How often I pay the price for that because I'm unwilling to take a second and listen. How often I'm so sure of my own skill, my own abilities, how Many times am I so sure of the skills and abilities of people around me, especially if I'm the one who's kind of leading them, I've trained them, and I skip over the step of listening, skip over the step of asking, and go right to action. That's what Joshua's doing. That's exactly what he did. He didn't stop and pause and say, God, you know, we're we're about to go into this thing, and even though it seems small, anything can be a big thing if you're not with us. He didn't do that. He just moved right to, to action, and he paid the price for it. You know, the gift of listening, the tool of listening, is something we don't incorporate all that often into our leadership as followers of Jesus. You know, sometimes the tool, the gift of listening, is something that is difficult because it takes time. It actually forces us to pause and not move to action. It actually forces us to take a break for a second and get a fuller perspective of what's happening around us before we just move to something. And for people who are action-oriented people, for people who's like, no, no, we got to do, we got to make a decision. We got to go, we got to go. Like me, so I'm with you because I am that person. Taking that moment to pause and listen, 
is the gift of humility when it comes to understanding and doing God's will. You know, if he would have taken a pause for a second and gone to God and said, hey God, we're about to go on this battle. I feel like we should win it pretty easily. The spies say that it's pretty easy to take over. You know, Joshua, he was a spy. If you remember, the reason that they spent 40 days wandering around is because they went into the land of Canaan. Him and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two people that came back and told Moses, hey, I think we can take them. I think we can take the land. God promised it to us. I think we can do it. Let's do it. All the other spies, the other 10 guys were like, I don't think we should do it. And God was really angry about that. He actually didn't allow any of the people from that generation to go into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. Moses watched from the outside. So Joshua and Caleb, you know, Joshua especially, had experience as a spy. He knows what it means to go into an area and make an assessment and come back and report. And the report he was getting was really good. And so he just went for it. He's like, all right, let's get the guys. Let's get the swords, the shields. Let's make this thing happen. And he went for it. Now, if he would have taken a second and paused, if we would have gone to God and said, hey, God, listen, no battle is a small battle. Because if you're not in it, you know, we can easily lose. You know, God, are, do you bless this? Do you have any insights for me? Do you have any wisdom? I want to hear what you have to say. God would have told him about what was happening. You know, God was probably ready to tell him. Like, he, he didn't hide the ball when this whole situation happened. When they were destroyed, it wasn't like God was sitting there like, well, you know, you should really think about it. What do you think happened, Joshua? Like, how do you think you, all the guys got defeated? Do you have any ideas? Do you, like, it wasn't a quiz. God wasn't lording this over him. God said to him, you know what, why you lost? You lost because you got too full of yourselves. You lost because the nation of Israel is sinning against me. But you didn't know it because you didn't ask. You just kind of kept moving at stuff. And you know how they're sinning against me? They stole stuff and they're lying about it and they hid these things. And here's the deal. You need to figure it out because until you figure it out, I'm not going to be with you. And then he lays out to him exactly how to figure it out because here's the thing. God can turn failure into victory. Now, a lot of us, we've paid the price for not listening to things, not listening to God, maybe not listening to the people closest to us. And we pay the price for that in some way. But God can turn failure into victory. You want to know how that, I know that's true? Because Paul writes about it. It's not on the screen. But in Romans 8.28, it talks about specifically that God will turn all things to good for those who love him. So while Paul writes about it in the New Testament, God puts it on display in the Old Testament. This is one of those examples. You know, God speaks to, to, to Joshua and tells him, this is, the, this is what you need to do. And he gives him this. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. So this is Joshua talking to, you know, the God and Joshua interaction. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family God chooses come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire. Okay, so it gets pretty intense here. By fire, along with all, the belong, all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord, and he has done an outrageous thing. There's a process to how God helps get our attention after we've made a big mistake. Joshua here made a big mistake. And there's a process that God will have to help us get our attention back focused on him. There's going to be, you know, uh, there's going to be that everyone doesn't win in that process. 
You know, in this process, Achan, he was the guy that took all this stuff. He took a bunch of pieces of silver and some gold, and he just took a bunch of stuff. He buried it under his tent like a, like a dumb thief, okay? Obviously, you know you bury it under your friend's tent, not your own tent, okay? Everyone knows that, all right? So he buried it under his own tent, and, you know, he was laying there, and so, and so that's what they did. You know, kind of just like the advice Jethro gave Moses, hey, find leaders of, of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. He uses that same method to then kind of figure out who, who the culprit was here. Hey, get, get everyone together. Get your tr- clans of thousands and your tribes of, of hundreds and your families of fifties, and then we're going to boil it down to who this person was. And it was a guy named Achan. Achan took all this stuff, and here's the thing. He fessed up to it. You know, as soon as he, uh, uh, as soon as he was confronted, he fessed right up to it. He's like, I did it. I took this stuff. I buried it. I don't know why I did it. I, just, I, I saw this stuff. I just wanted to take it. I thought it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Turns out it was a huge deal. And Joshua's looking at Achan saying, listen, this is a huge deal, man. You know, and, and thanks for owning it. Thanks for, you know, thanks for saying that you did it. Thanks for, you know, but there's still consequences. And, and here's the part that, that's hardest for people. And honestly, honestly, hardest for me. There's always consequences when we don't listen to God. There's always consequences. Even when, even when we, we realize, okay, we haven't been listening to God and it's time to get back on track with listening to God, sometimes there are still consequences that are a part of that. You know, for Achan, his consequence, sadly, was being incinerated by a, a huge ball of God fire. And if you think that's, you're like, wait, that's hard to believe that. You know, there's a lot harder things to believe than balls of God fire. Jesus rose from the dead. He was buried for three days, hung on a cross, and he, for, you know, died for your sins and mine. You know, that's a, that's a, sometimes that's a lot harder thing to believe than, you know, I believe some crazy things. But the, the God fireball thing, that's not that hard to believe, believe it or not. So, you know, I believe the guy got swallowed by a fish. So, I mean, it's like, you know, come on. So, the God fireball incinerated Achan, incinerated all of his stuff. Okay, and you might think, oh my gosh, it's pretty intense. It is. But there's consequences to the things that we do. There's consequences. And sometimes there's unintended consequences when we don't listen. You know, how could this have all been resolved? Well, it could have been resolved really easily. If Joshua would have just listened on the front end, he wouldn't have paid the price on the back end. Now, do you think he led differently after that? Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. But he had to go through this this difficult moment of being confronted. Just like Moses, his mentor, had to go through difficult moments of being confronted. And to just to bring it back full circle to the movie Cars, which I'm a big fan of, what everyone doesn't, maybe you, you miss, you miss about uh, the Hudson Hornet, which was the, um, Lightning McQueen's mentor, is that when he got into this big crash, he, he walked away from racing. He, he didn't want to have anything to do with racing. You know, they, they told him, you know, hey, the rookies are here. You're not needed anymore. And instead of fighting for his place, he just walked away from it all and then went to some random small town and decided to become anonymous. It's by happenstance that Lightning McQueen showed up in his town slash the great storytelling of Pixar. But when Lightning McQueen showed up and he faced these situations, he could look back at examples of how people that he trusted, who developed him, who helped him, how they dealt with those same situations. And they could either make the same decision, they could make new decisions, but the point was they were able to look back at examples of people who lived this in hopes that it would help them make more informed decisions moving forward. And here's the thing, I think we're all meant to listen. I think we're all meant to listen. I think some of us are really good at it, I think some of us are really bad at it. 
I think that we can, we can identify young children who are really good listeners and really bad listeners at a young age. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? I have kids, okay? I, I know which one's a good listener, and I know which one is going to be a lifelong struggle of teaching. But that's the, that's the work we do as parents. That's why our Heavenly Father is willing to put in the same work with us. Some of us are really bad listeners. We're going to be bad now. We're going to be really bad at it as we get older, and, and we're going to get better at it over time if we put in place things to help us be better listeners. That's the thing. Things to help us be better listeners. You know, I, I was, uh, I, my mom used to tell me, which I think a lot of parents tell me, this is not a unique thing, that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And we need to listen up. My mom would tell me that all the time. And it was always true. And I, I know other kids, I, I would say that as I got older, and people were like, oh my gosh, my parents said that too. Because it's a real thing. Okay? It's like a parental thing to say. It's also a God thing. That, that he, actually, he actually wants us to listen more than we talk. He wants us to be slow to speak. There's a reason for that. It's because when we listen, we're able to take in and understand and then make better decisions. Joshua missed that opportunity. And here's what I love about this, okay? It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. This is something that every single person can get a little better at. You know, if they know stressful things trigger them and it's tough for them to listen because they, they charge right up, that person that they know that they can trust that can speak into them and help them charge down so they can listen. You know, maybe for them, they just need to catch themselves. You know what I do often? I go into meetings. I used to have a, a, a really difficult season of leadership at a, when, I, when I was younger. And, and what I've learned to start doing is, even when I mess up, and I mess up royally sometimes, uh, instead of immediately going to, okay, I have the solution, I have the answer, I'll go in and say, okay, everything I think, I'm going to do the exact opposite of it. And I think it's going to work out. So I'll go into a situation and I'll have this voice pop in my head like, hey, you should say this. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to say that instead. All right, this thing pops in my head. And I'm like, you know what you need to do? You need to hop on your phone and you need to send this email to let them know. And be like, you know what? I'm going to do the opposite of that email. I'm not going to do that. Like, oh my gosh, I see this text. You know what I want to do? I want to make a big deal about it. They don't know. And good thing I'm here to show them. And instead I do the opposite of that. Because here's the thing. Listening takes time. And it's quick for us to say, well, in the moment, I just know all the information. No, you don't. No, you don't. In the moment, you don't know all the information you need to know. In the moment, you have the opportunity to decide if you want to listen or not. This matters when, we co- when it comes to discipline. It matters when it comes to business. It, ma- it makes sense when it comes to a whole lot of areas in our lives. It makes sense to take a second and just take information in. But when it comes to how we listen to God, sometimes we just have like this disconnect. Maybe because sometimes we have a hard time hearing from God. You know, here's the thing. If you're one of those people that have a hard time hearing from God, ask yourself, how are you listening? You might think, oh my gosh, it doesn't answer my question at all. Let me explain. How are you looking to listen to God? Because God speaks in a lot of different ways. You look through the Bible, God speaks in so many ways. He speaks through God's word. He speaks through the teaching. You ever walk away from a lesson, probably this lesson, um, of course, and you walk away and say, oh my gosh, it's like he knew. It's like he has cameras in my house. This is a lesson I needed to hear. Ever have that moment? Hopefully you do today. Okay. So whenever you have that moment, that's God speaking through the teaching of his word. You ever open up the Bible and you're reading something, you're like, this is exactly what I needed today. You, you ever go to sleep and you, wait, you have a dream and you wake up and you're like, what does that dream mean? I feel like there's some meaning in this. I feel like that, that was God speaking. God does speak in dreams, speaks to me in dreams. And it might sound a little weird when you talk about it later, but like, that's one of the ways God speaks. But all of this comes 
used to, you know, when you pray and like you hear that Jiminy Cricket voice, that's not Jiminy Cricket, that's the Holy Spirit whispering to you the things that God actually cares about and wants. Now, if you have a problem listening, have you asked yourself, how does God speak to me? And have I, have I honed that gift? And you can be eight years old in the room, you can be 18 years old, you can be 88 years old, doesn't matter. God speaks and it's up to us to fight, figure out in our spiritual maturity, how does God speak to us? You know, the band's going to come back up. We're going to do another song. This is what I want you guys to think about, okay? I want you to think about the word listen this week. I want you to think about what it means to be a listener. What does it mean for you? If we are meant to listen, what does that mean for you this week? Does it mean hitting pause on an email that you're going to write? Here's the thing. We don't become experts at this overnight. So if anyone is sitting here or like if you're getting like an elbow in the ribs and it's like, oh, you should be an expert at this, you're not. You're not going to be an expert. This is what you are going to do. You're going to have a small victory this week. Because here's what I love about this. This day that, Mo, that, that Joshua and his guys were getting ready to go to battle, this was not a big battle. This, was a small, this wasn't a huge kingdom they were taking over. This was a small little town. This was nothing. This was any other day. This was generic Tuesday in Joshua's life as a leader. And he sends the guys and they get obliterated and he gets faced with his own pride, his own willingness not to listen, not to talk with God, not to hear what God has to say, just to assume. And here's what I love about this, okay? You don't need some big life event. Don't wait for the next, you know, big career change or family change or the next time someone's having a baby or, or the next, don't wait for the next big moment to be your listening moment. You, tomorrow, you'll have some opportunities to hit pause and to listen. How am I going to respond? What am I going to say? How are my words going to be viewed or used? It, tomorrow, you're going to get an email opportunity, a text message opportunity. You're going to get a, a spouse argument opportunity. You, you're going to get something tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then it'll happen on Tuesday or Wednesday. You will not finish this week without an opportunity to put into practice what we talked about. You will not finish this week. Some of you may not even finish the day without an opportunity to just hit pause and to listen. And maybe, and maybe you give it 24 hours. And then you move. And then you respond. Let me pray for us today. Let's worship. Heavenly Father, you love us. You listen to us. You want us to listen to you. You have some great thoughts for us, God. Let us be listeners. We thank you for the time we've had together. We thank you for the teaching of God's word. And we are excited to live out this week differently because of it. In your name, amen.